When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, sweet one. Before I read you a story, I wanted to share some thoughts I had, and I hope they'll relax you. Today, I was thinking about my childhood, and I want you to go back into your childhood with me as well, a time when we felt safe and everything seemed so much easier. Do you remember some of your favorite games? Mine were marbles and hopscotch and hide and seek. I loved playing those games and the lessons that they taught me in life. And perhaps the game that prepared me most for the adversities in life was the dreaded Chinese finger trap. I used to remember how hard it was to get out of that game. I would try and try to pull my finger out of that bamboo cylinder object, but the more I pulled, the tighter the grip had on me. It wasn't until I learned to push into it that I finally got the release. Well, my sweet one, the same tricks to setting ourselves free from this entrapment applies to setting ourselves free from adversities. In our lives, we are faced with terrible hardships. And I am so sorry for any hardship you have gone through. But through it all, we have learned some important lessons. We have learned that staying busy and keeping our mind off the negative emotions will help them to disappear, but only for a while. Because we've learned that the truth is When we suppress negative emotions, they build up inside of us. Eventually, they resurface, and sometimes in much more overwhelming ways, such as PTSD. Pulling away from these emotions only puts a tighter grip onto them in our mind, just as the attempt to pull our fingers out of the trap made by this bamboo made it so much tighter around our fingers. If we want to rid ourselves of the negative emotions, we have to embrace them, accept them, push into them. I know embracing is a difficult goal to accomplish, but I need you to be brave. You must have the courage to reach out to agencies and those who love you when you need them the most. Let them into your life. Let them help you. Remember, ignoring or suppressing these feelings will only make the intensity stronger. I want your mind to be free. I want you to be happy. And I want to share a bedtime story that will help calm and relax you. 
The moral of the story is about bravery, and it's called The Youth Who Went Forth to Learn What Fear Was. A certain father had two sons. The elder was smart and sensible and could do anything. But the younger could neither learn nor understand a thing. And when people saw him, they said, There's a fellow who will give his father some trouble. When anything had to be done, it was always the elder who was forced to do it. But if his father bade him to fetch anything, when it was late, or in the night time, and in the way led through the churchyard, or any other dismal place, he answered, O Father, I'll not go there. It makes me shudder, for you see, he was afraid. Or when stories were told by the fire at night, which made the flesh creep, the listener sometimes said, Oh, it makes us shudder. The younger sat in a corner and listened with the rest of them and could not imagine what they could mean. They are always saying, it makes me shudder. It makes me shudder. Well, it does not make me shudder, thought he. That, too, must be an art of which I understand nothing. Now it came to pass that his father said to him one day, Hearken to me. You fellow in the corner there, you are growing tall and strong, and you too must learn something by which you can earn your bread. Look how your brother works, but you, you do not even earn your salt. Well, father, he replied, I am quite willing to learn something. Indeed, if it could be managed, I should like to learn to shudder. I do not understand that at all. The elder brother smiled when he heard that, and he thought to himself, Oh, goodness, what a blockhead that brother of mine is. He will never be good for anything as long as he lives. He who wants to be a sickle must bend himself betimes. The father sighed, and he answered him, You shall soon learn what it is to shudder, but you will not earn your bread by that. Soon after that, the sexton came to the house for a visit, and the father told how his younger son was so backward in every respect that he knew nothing and learned nothing. Just think, he said, when I asked him how he was going to earn his bread, he actually wanted to learn to shudder. If that be all, replied the sexton, he can learn that with me. Send him to me, and I will soon polish him. The father was glad to do it, for he thought, it will train the boy a little. The sexton therefore took him into his house and had him ring the church bell. And after a day or two, the sexton awoke him at midnight and bade him arise and go to the church tower and ring the bell. You shall soon learn what shuddering is, thought he, and secretly the sexton went to the bell tower before him. And when the boy was at the top of the tower and turned around and was about to take hold of the bell rope, he saw a white figure standing on the stairs opposite the sounding hole. Who is there? he cried. 
but the figure made no reply. Give me an answer, cried the boy. Give me an answer, for you have no business here at night. The sexton, however, remained standing motionless, that the boy might think that he was a ghost. The boy cried a second time, What do you want here? Speak if you are an honest fellow, or I will throw you down the stairs. The sexton thought, He cannot be as bad as his words, and he uttered no sound and stood there like a stone. Then the boy called to him a third time, and when he heard no answer, he threw the ghost down the stairs, and it fell the ten steps and remained there lying in the corner. Thereupon he rang the bell and went home, and without saying a word he went to bed and fell asleep. The sexton's wife waited a long time for her husband, but he did not come back. At length she became uneasy, and she wakened the boy and asked, Do you know where my husband is? He climbed up the tower before you did. No, I do not know, replied the boy. But someone was standing by the sounding hole on the other side of the steps, and he would neither give me an answer nor go away. I took him for a scoundrel, and I threw him down the stairs. Just go there, and you will see if it was he. I should be sorry if it were. The woman ran away and found her husband, who was lying moaning in the corner and had a broken leg. And she carried him down, and then, with loud screams, she hastened to the boy's father. Your boy, she cried. He has been the cause of great misfortune, and he has thrown my husband down the stairs so that he broke his leg. Take that good-for-nothing fellow out of our house. The father was terrified and ran thither and scolded the boy. What wicked tricks are these, he said. The devil must have put them into your head. Father, he replied, do listen to me. I am quite innocent. He was standing there by night, like one intent on doing evil. I did not know who he was, and I entreated him three times, either to speak or to go away. Ah, said the father, I have nothing but unhappiness with you. Go out of my sight. I will see you no more. Yes, father, write willingly, but wait only until it is day, and then I will go forth and learn how to shudder, and then I shall, at any rate, understand one art which will support me. Learn what you will, spoke the father. It is all the same to me. Here are fifty tailors for you. Take these and go into the wide world, and tell no one from whence you came, and who your father is, for I have reason to be ashamed of you. Yes, father, it shall be as you will. If you desire nothing more than that, I can easily keep that in mind. When the day dawned, therefore, the boy put his fifty tailors into his pocket, and went forth onto the great highway, and continually said to himself, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. And then a man approached, who heard this conversation with the youth that he was holding with himself, and when they had walked a little further to where they could see the gallows, the man said to him, Look, there is a tree where seven men have married the rope-maker's daughter and are now learning how to fly. 
sit down beneath it, wait until night comes, and then you will learn how to shudder. If that is all that is wanted, answered the youth, it is easily done. But if I learn how to shudder as fast as that, you shall have my fifty tailors. Just come back to me early in the morning. Then the youth went to the gallows and sat beneath it, and waited till evening came. And as he was cold, he lighted himself a fire. But at midnight, the wind blew so sharply that in spite of his fire, he could not get warm. And as the wind knocked, they hanged men against each other, and they moved backward and forward, he thought to himself, If you shiver below by the fire, how those above must freeze and suffer. And he felt pity for them. So he raised the ladder and climbed up and unbound one of them after another and brought down all seven. And then he stoked the fire and blew it and set them all around it to warm themselves. But they sat there and did not stir, and the fire caught their clothes. So he said, Take care, or I will hang you up again. The dead men, however, did not hear. They were silent, and they let the rags go on burning. At this he grew angry and said, If you will not take care, I cannot help you. I will not be burnt with you. And he hung them up again, each in his turn. And then he sat down by his fire and fell asleep. The next morning the man came to him and wanted the fifty tailors, and said, Well, do you now know how to shudder? No, answered he. How should I know? Those fellows up there did not open their mouths. Then the man saw that he would not get the fifty tailors that day, and went away, saying, Such a youth has never come my way before. The youth likewise went on his way and once more began to mutter himself, If only I could shudder, if only I could shudder. A wagoner who was striding behind him heard this and asked, Who are you? I don't know, answered the youth. Well, then where do you come from? I do not know. Well, then who is your father? That I cannot tell you. Well, what is it you're always muttering between your teeth? Ah, replied the youth, I do so wish I could shudder, but no one can show me how to do this. Enough of your foolish chatter, said the wagoner. Come with me, and I will see about a place for you. And the youth went with the wagoner, and in the evening they arrived at an inn. At the entrance of the parlor, the youth again said, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. The host who heard this laughed and said, If that is your desire, there is a good opportunity for you here. Be silent, said the hostess. It would be a pity and a shame if such beautiful eyes as these should never see daylight again. But the youth said, However difficult it may be, I will learn it. For this purpose indeed have I journeyed forth. He let the host have no rest until later she told him that not far from thence stood a haunted castle where anyone could very easily learn what shuddering was, if he should be there but for three nights. 
the king had promised that he who would venture should have his daughter to wife, and she was the most beautiful maiden that the sun shone on. Likewise, in the castle lay great treasures, which were guarded by evil spirits, and these treasures would be freed and would make a poor man rich enough. Already, many men had gone into the castle, but as yet, none have come out again. The youth, the next morning, went to the king and said, If it be allowed, I will willingly watch three nights in the haunted castle. The king looked at him, and as the youth pleased him, he said, You may ask for three things to take into the castle with you, but they must be things without life. The youth answered back, Then I would like a fire, a turning lathe, and a cutting board with the knife. The king had these things carried into the castle for him during the day, and when night was drawing near, the youth went up and made himself a bright fire in one of the rooms, placing the cutting board with the knife beside it, and seated himself by the turning lathe. Ah, if I could but shudder, he said, but I shall not learn it here either. Toward midnight, he was about to poke his fire, and as soon as he was blowing it, something cried, suddenly from one corner. Ah, meow, how cold we are, you fools, cried he. What are you crying about? If you are cold, come and take a seat by the fire and warm yourselves. And when he had said that, two great black cats came with one tremendous leap and sat down, one on each side of him, and looking savagely at him with their fierce eyes. After a short time, when they had warmed themselves, they said, Comrade, shall we have a game of cards? Why not, he replied, but just show me your paws. And then they stretched out their claws. Oh, he said, what long nails you have. Wait, I must first cut them for you. And thereupon he seized them by the throats and put them on the cutting board and screwed their feet fast. I have looked at your fingers, he said, and my fancy for card playing has gone. And he struck them dead and threw them out into the water. But when he had made away with these two and was about to sit down again by his fire, out of every hole and corner came black cats and black dogs with red hot chains. And more and more of them came until he could no longer move, and they yelled horribly and got on his fire and pulled it to pieces and tried to put it out. He watched them for a while quietly, but at last he thought they were going too far and he seized his cutting knife and cried, Away with you, vermin, and began to cut them down. Some of them ran away. The others he killed and threw into the fish pond. When he came back, he fanned the embers of the fire again and warmed himself. And as he thus sat, his eyes would keep no longer, and he fell asleep. In the morning, the king came and when he saw him lying there on the ground, and he thought that evil spirits had killed him, and he was dead. And the king said, It is a pity for so handsome a man. Well, the youth heard this and got up and said, 
It has not come to that. But the king was astonished and glad, and asked how he had fared. Very well indeed, answered he. One night has passed, and then he went to the innkeeper, who opened his eyes very wide and said, I never expected you to live again. Have you learned how to shudder yet? No, he said, it is all in vain, if someone would but just tell me. The second night he went up again in the old castle and sat down by the fire, and once more began his old song, If I could but shudder. When midnight came, an uproar and a noise a tumbling about was heard. At first it was low, but it grew louder and louder. And then it was quiet for a while, and at length with a loud scream, half of a man came down the chimney. Hello, cried he. Another half belongs to this. This is not enough. Then the uproar began again, and the other half fell down. Wait, he said, I will just stoke up the fire a little for you. And when he had done this and looked around again, the two pieces were joined together, and a hideous man was sitting in his place. That is no part of our bargain, said the youth. The bench is mine. The man wanted to push him away, but the youth would not allow it, and thrust him off with all his strength, and seated himself again in his own place. Then still more men fell down, one after another. They brought nine dead men's legs and two skulls, and set them up and played nine pins with them. The youth also wanted to play and said, Listen, you, can I join you? Yes, if you have any money. I have money enough, replied the youth, but your balls are not quite round. And then he took the skulls and put them in the lathe, and turned them until they were round. There now, they will roll much better. He played with them and lost some of his money. But when it struck twelve, everything vanished from his sight. So he laid back down and quietly fell asleep. The next morning, the king came to inquire after him. How has it fared with you this time, asked he. Oh, I have been playing ninepins, he answered, and have lost a couple of farthings. Have you not shuddered then? What, said the youth? No, I had a wonderful time, if I did but know what it was to shudder. The third night he sat down again at his bench and said quietly again, If I could but shudder. When it grew late, six tall men came in and brought a coffin. And then he said, That is certainly my little cousin who died only a few days ago. And he beckoned with his finger and cried, Come, little cousin, come. And they placed the coffin on the ground. But when he went to it, and took off the lid, a dead man lay therein. He felt his face, and it was cold as ice. Wait, he said, I will warm you a little, and went to the fire, and warmed his hand, and laid it on the dead man's face, and then he took him out, and sat down by the fire, and laid him on his breast, and rubbed his arms, so that the blood may circulate again. As this also did no good, he thought to himself, when two people lie in a bed together, 
they warm each other. And so he carried him to the bed and covered him over and lay down by him. After a short time, the dead man became warm too and began to move. And then the youth said, See, my little cousin, have I not warmed you? The dead man, however, got up and cried, Now I will strangle you. What, said he, is that the way that you thank me? You shall at once go into your coffin again. And he took him up and threw him into it and shut the lid. Then came the six men and carried him away again. I cannot manage to shudder, said he. Then I shall never learn as long as I live. Then a man entered who was taller than all the others and looked terrible. He was old and had a long white beard. You wretch, cried he, you shall soon learn what it is to shudder, for you shall die. Not so fast, replied the youth. If I am to die, I shall have a say in it. I will soon seize you, said the fiend. Softly, softly, do not talk so big. I am as strong as you are, and perhaps even stronger, said the youth. We shall see, said the old man. If you are stronger, I will let you go. Come, and we will try. And then he led him by dark passages to the smith's forge, and took an axe, and with one blow struck an anvil into the ground. I can do better than that, said the youth. The old man took himself near and wanted to look on, and his white beard hung down. The youth seized the axe and split the anvil with one blow, and in it caught the old man's beard. Now I have you, said the youth. Now it is your turn to die. Then he seized an iron bar and beat the old man till he moaned and entreated him to stop, and promised he would give him great riches. The youth drew out the axe and let him go, and the old man led him to the castle, and in a cellar he showed him three chests full of gold. Of these, he said, one part is for the poor, the other for the king, and the third is yours. In the meantime it struck twelve, and the spirit disappeared, so that the youth stood in darkness. I shall still be able to find my way out, he said, and he did, and he found his way into the room and slept by his fire. The next morning the king came and said, Now you must have learned what shuddering is. No, he answered. What can it be? My dead cousin was here, and a bearded man came, and showed me a great deal of money down below. But no one told me what it is to shudder. Then the king said, You have saved the castle. You shall marry my daughter. That is all well, said he, but I still do not know what it is to shudder. Then the gold was brought up and the wedding celebrated. But howsoever much the young king loved his wife, and however happy he was, he still always said, If I could but shudder, if I could but shudder. And this at last angered her, and her waiting maid said, I will find a cure for him. He shall soon learn what it is to shudder. And she went out to the stream which flowed through the garden and had a whole bucket full of fish brought to her. At night, when the young king was sleeping, his wife was to draw the clothes off him and empty the bucket full of cold water with the fish in it 
all over him so that the little fishes would sprawl about on him. He woke up and cried, Oh, what makes me shudder so? What makes me shudder so, dear wife? And now I know what it is to shudder. I have to be honest with you. I was not expecting this ending, nor am I completely convinced of what it means. My thought is that what one person considers brave, another does not. Then in each one of us, we have our own type of bravery. I do hope you'll be brave, and I do hope you sleep well. Good night, my sweet one. Good night. Good night.